episode 56 of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Lebrano. And I'm Jess Rubenstein. Thank you for taking time to hang out with us. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. The greatest postseason in sports has arrived, and the Stanley Cup playoffs are already off to an incredibly exciting start. But it gets even better because Bet Online is offering you the chance to win some money while you watch. Because Bet Online has spreads, lines, and props on every game this postseason, so you never have to worry about missing out on the action. But whether it's the NHL, the NBA, or any other sport, Bet Online has you covered. So head on over to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. This is Believe in Hockey Prospects, the show all about discussing the future stars in the game of hockey. We believe in the future. Do you believe? This week, Jess, we've got a great guest with us. Russ Cohen is back once again. We've got his top 32 list. This is the second list that he's come up with. We had him on for the first one. What do you think we're going to get out of the second one? We're going to get a couple of surprises. What I like about Russ and his list is that his doesn't stay static. He's going to change them. He goes into detail. He doesn't just simply go, oh, hey, name out a hat. Russ bases it on talking to people, doing the homework. When I see a Russ Cohen list, I take it seriously because it comes a lot closer to how the draft will fall out than most people realize. Yeah, like you said, love when Russ has an answer for literally any question you could ask him about this list. It's not just because he felt like it. He has a reason. But I did notice that a couple guys have moved up a few spots and a couple guys have moved down a few spots. So I'm excited to talk to Russ. Jess, you want to get right into it? Let's get right to Russ. Bring him on. All right, let's do it. And back again with us, the man behind Sportsology.com, Russ Cohen. Russ, thank you for joining us once again. Very excited to have you back. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate it. I really want to talk to you, Russ, because finally somebody mentions a kid that I really like. Let's just jump right into that list of yours. How did you come up with your rankings? All along, I, I work with people at Elite Prospects, so we chat about prospects a lot. I look at video. I watch games. I've got still some U18 World Junior and now World's Games on my DVR that'll count towards, you know, the next viewings. There still could be like three other players that could work their way on my list, but I just didn't have enough on them to put them on this one. And so I take that all into account. I try not to have recency bias simply because we're seeing these guys now and like a college player has been done playing since March. Now Owen Power is playing, so that's good for him. Like Ken Johnson's not playing anywhere. That, I, don't, I don't fault him for that. And I try not to give others more points for that. So I try and weigh it out. And and this is the time of the year, too, where I start talking to them and and putting out some articles. And, you know, if something they say really triggers me, it could affect my rankings. So, Russ, this is list number two. List number one, we're just a little bit over a month past that. Uh, How much has changed into this list? And I know you said you like to keep the number of lists short. Uh, How much do you think will change after this list as you come up on your final one? I don't think one and two will change anymore. When you get past 10, I do think um, there could be some change in that next grouping, 10 to 15. Definitely some change at the bottom, whether guys move up or guys move off the list. There'll be a little bit of that. You know, this is more of a volatile list than there have been in other years, and that's because games have been spotty. Guys aren't playing a lot of games. You know, like William Eklund's only played 40 games, period. Not a lot of games to, you know, decide if he should be a top five guy. Try and find as much as you can, even from the year before. So that's when you start extra digging for guys. One thing that stood out to me, Russ, was that in your top 10 list, there was 
only really two guys who played in the Canadian juniors in your top 10. Did the lack of games factor in that for you? I mean, I don't think it did consciously. I think you might see some representation that from NHL teams too, because the less you see the, you know, the riskier it gets. I mean, you do have info from the years before and you do have at least some tournament info, but yeah, when you don't have a season or playoffs to go on, at least for me, it hamstrung me a little. It wasn't like I said, Hey, you know, these are Canadian hockey players. I'm not going to put them higher than this. This is just sort of where, you know, it broke out for me. Obviously, you know, Frank Clark is one of those guys that you're talking about and, you know, and Gunther had a good showing for as long as he was able to play in the, in the WHL. But, you know, like a guy like Cole Sillinger, he didn't get to play in the WHL. He was playing back in the USHL, but I at least got to see him there, right? So, you know, it's, it's a weird thing. But Cole Sillinger, you know, he moved up a little bit. And so, yeah, I think there's probably something to that, though. Russ, I think one of the biggest guys on this list that makes a, a jump into the top 10 that was just outside before is Mason McTavish. He's replacing, I think, Atu Rati was on the eighth spot in your last list. So Rati falls, McTavish goes up. What inspired those two moves? I think in the U18s, McTavish's greasiness really came out and making his line mates better, showing that he could, you know, not only be a scorer, but really be a complete hockey player. I think that came out more than what Rotti might be able to do now in the world. We'll see what happens with him. He's still a talented guy. I just think McTavish could affect a team more ways. It doesn't mean he's a better offensive player than Rotti because he, he might not be. Rotti's got a hell of a shot and he's got some size. And if he could pick up some other parts of his game, he's a really talented player. But I just think McTavish did give me more of everything. And I think that helped. I noticed there's only one goalie in your list. Is this a bad year for goalies? No, not necessarily. I, I mean, I don't think it's a great year for them, but I don't think it's a bad year. I just think when you're going through a year like this, I look at everybody and I say, okay, if a goalie's going to make the list, he's really got to be exceptional this year because goaltending is hard enough to figure out normally and just to even try and guess on it. But now barely seeing guys, it's even more guesswork. So to me, I have Wallstead in there because he's the only no-brainer I know of in this draft. There may be others, and there will be that come through over the years. For me, he's the only no-brainer franchise guy, and that's why I have him where I have him. Well, if you're a fan of, say, Seattle, how excited are you going to get to get somebody like a Brand Clark since you have him at three? Yeah, super excited because like what Clark gives you speed-wise is great offensive wise when he gets into the zone into the offensive zone you don't know what he's going to do with the puck he really skates well with it he can control the puck a little bit he can control the play a lot I still think there's a lot more he can do defensively and I think he'll refine that over the years and I think he can get physically stronger and when he starts to win even more puck battles I think he'll even be more dangerous so you know I remember uh it was probably you and other people telling me about Shea Theodore and and how exciting he was, but he played in Seattle, right? And not everybody sees Seattle. And look at Shea Theodore now. He's a heck of a player. I think, you know, Clark could be even a little better than that offensively. And when you see those things in the in the guy, you just figure, all right, I think defensively, as long as he's average, the offense is so good and the skating is so good and, and the hockey IQ that I think they'd be thrilled with that. I took a look at your first list and I took a look at your second list. Which I never that's fine that you did it. Okay, cool. All right. I noticed on the first list, 
there's no Francesco Pinelli, and on the second list, he's all the way up to number 17. How does a guy in your criteria, when you're looking at players and how you rank guys, how do you go from not being ranked all the way up to 17? What do you have to do to go up that high? Do really well on like the U18s like he did. I mean, that certainly helped. He was a guy I knew about, but I didn't know enough about. So then all of a sudden, you know, you see him in the U18s and it's hard to ignore his play. He was a guy that could control the puck. He's a guy that could, could score goals. He has good speed, a smart player. And so I, I would think every couple of games, he was probably in my mind moving up a little bit more. So that's how. I mean, there have been guys that have done that with teams before a draft out of the U18s. So it's not like an uncommon practice. I know a team in the Northeast that pretty much did that and drafted a guy in the first round based on what he did in the U18. And he's a pretty good NHL player right now. Like he's, you know, he's a solid player. It happens and guilty as charged. We say in this draft, there's no consensus number one overall pick. But as we get closer and closer, that guy does look like it's going to be Owen Power. So in that case... Is Buffalo the best team for the Owen Power sweepstakes, or is there a team that has a better fit for where you think Owen Power can have more of an impact when he's ready to go to the NHL? I think Buffalo might overthink it, and maybe they would take Matty Beneers, which I don't think is a bad pick. With all the NTDP former employees working with them in their system, coaching, player development, that could have a factor in it. And so I think Owen Power fits in with any team. I don't know if this will be a year where someone tries to trade up and get the first pick. You never know. We talk about it every once in a while and it never seems to happen. But if I'm Buffalo, I still should draft Owen Power. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. Well, how deep do you think this draft really is? I mean, when I look at it, if you're talking about guys who I think could be first pairing, first line guys, I think it drops off right at Luke Hughes' feet. And, and Luke Hughes, I had him higher before the injury. But when I don't hear anything about an injury and don't see that he's skating yet, I can't tell you that I feel 100% as good as I did about Luke Hughes a year ago. I'd be a liar if I said that. And so I do think that, you know, the fact that we don't, you know, remember if you when the injury report came out, they said, well, he'd be skating by mid-May. I don't see any evidence that he's skating. I know he's in the gym because, yeah, you could do a lot of other things in the gym, but he needs that same speed to be great at the NHL level. And maybe if it's just a little hair off, he'll be an NHLer, but he might not be as impactful as, as he could be. So I think Luke Hughes is the dividing line where Fabian Lysel did really well in the U18s. And I think he still has more offense than um, McTavish, but McTavish has a better all-around game right now. So I give him the edge, but I think Lysel could be better offensively in his career he seems to have some instant offense in him at different times where he could really make a line go. And, and he's got a great wrist shot and speed, very good speed. I mean, excellent speed. So there were things about him where I said, yeah, you know, Lysel could be a top liner. Don't know if he will be. So let's just say for argument's sake that we're at the bottom of your list for this top 32. Is there anybody, say, from 20 down to 32 that you think possibly could still make a big jump? So from 20 to 32, I would say, I think Othman can still move up on my list, but I don't know if it'll be a big jump. I would say Svechkov could move up some more. He showed a lot of offense in the U18s, obviously. Oscar Olison's one that could keep moving up. He, he's a guy that um, has been really impressing. 
playmaking wise. I think even though he's a winger, I, I like what he can do playmaking wise. Those are three guys that come to mind right away. Sam Miskevich, the kid from Chicago, they just won the Clark Cup. Maybe he can move up a little more. He really is a talented player. Svozil, possibly too. I'm trying to get a better line on Svozil. I liked what I saw in the U18s, but generally I can't like totally gauge it because those teams are never great, right? And usually if you're the best player on your team, it makes it a little more difficult. But those are some of the guys that uh, I think could still move up. If I saw Luke Hughes doing like wind sprints on skates right now, that would help. Yeah. 16 teams in the lottery. Arizona has had their first round pick yanked. Are there any guys in your top 15 that you could see being a perfect fit for any one of those 15 teams in the lottery? Detroit's interesting because they've been getting some offensive players, but none of them seem to be super high end other than Lucas Raymond. Even Zadina looks really good, but I don't think he's great. So I think for Detroit, if I looked at this, I'd say, boy, if they could get Dylan Gunther, that might be a really good mix for a guy like Raymond, because then Raymond can really become his playmaker and they both would take advantage of scoring and Gunther's got size and he's smart and he's fast. And I think that's a really good combo. I would also say Kent Johnson for the uh, Red Wings would be a good combo because Johnson's going to need a little time. And I think Eiserman would give him time. He's from the area in the sense that he's playing with Michigan. And I think what he might turn into is, is pretty great. So there's that New Jersey I know everybody wants to say Luke Hughes, but I don't think that's a good idea to put him in the metro area and put two brothers on the team like that. I think the pressure for that would be uh, too much, even though everybody says the Devils don't have that much press. But if they had two Hughes brothers, there'd be a lot more press. Like, that would be a magnet for that. There'd be a lot of stories on that. I don't think so. But I'll tell you, for a guy like for New Jersey, if it was Lysel or Chaz Lucius, and Lucius maybe could move up a little bit more on the list. I think he would be perfect because he doesn't score like your conventional goals. He scores them from weird angles. He scores them from down low. He's smart around the net. And he seems to just know where the puck's going to be and, and gets ahead of the play. Not super fast, but a good straight line skater, but a very good scorer, very talented. And I think he would be a good one there. I, I think for Columbus, they need to go – somewhere in the top seven because I think if they could get Johnson or McTavish or Gunther or Eklund they need that they need to replace the offensive players if I'm Philly and somehow I'm in that top 11 if Hughes is there I'm going to risk it and take Hughes because still their defense needs work even though they have some guys there if Hughes is gone and I'm still choosing for Philly I at that point may look at like Sillinger or Lucius as well, because I think when they have players like Joel Farabee, it seems like those kinds of guys do better for the Flyers than the super high end. You're expecting them to be, you know, 90 point guys. The fans seem to like those guys that hustle, still have great offense in their game, but give you a little more on the ice. They seem to do well in Philly. And I think a guy like Lucius and Sillinger, I do think both of them would do really well. As far as Anaheim goes, they, to me, they need Edmondson in the worst way. If they don't get power, if power went there, that would be perfect because they really, you know, defense is something that they used to have a lot of. And then once they started trading a little of it, they really haven't gotten it back. Power would be great or Edmondson would be great for them because I do feel like 
and Clark too, obviously. If they're in the top three, that's really where Anaheim wants to be. If they're in that top three, get a defenseman. I know Beniers will be a tantalizing thing, but you already have Zegras. So to me, it's like, go and get that other linchpin defenseman. That's what I would do if I were them. He's the host of Sportsology.com. I mean, any sport, it's there. Got anything in the works as an author, Mr. Cohen? Nothing in the works as an author. Just doing a little bit of work for Upper Deck. So some things will appear eventually for them that I'm working on. But lots of books on Amazon or, you know, if you go to Amazon, you like something, I could autograph it for Father's Day. Just DM me or, or send me a tw- you know, Twitter DM, Facebook DM, and that's it. Just posting cat pictures on Instagram and uh, trying to work this draft. I'll definitely be out covering some of the Stanley Cup when that um, starts getting closer. So keep an eye out for that, too. Thank you, Russ, for being with us today. And love to have you on. We'd love to talk hockey with you. Got to have you down closer to the draft to see how the lottery worked out. I have a feeling my third list will be my last, so I'm sure Luke will be all over that. First in line, Russ. First in line. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Russ. Anytime. So that was Russ Cohen of Sportsology.com with his top 32 list. Jess, quite a couple guys on this list that are really impressive. But is there anyone that stands out to you in particular? Well, I was surprised that that he moved McTavish up to eight. I like McTavish. Don't get me wrong. I, I think McTavish is definitely a, a first or second liner at the NHL level. And I'm, I'm actually happy for the kid because, you know, he had to go into Europe to play. Both him and Clark, that to me was a big gamble. So the fact that there's only one goalie in his list, it also to me says something about the state of goaltending at the young elite level. Only one player. That says a lot to me. Yeah, so many question marks in the meat of this first round here. So guys like McTavish, Rati, Pinelli. You know, Russ has got those guys moving over a couple spots, all of them shaken up, not where they were last time. A guy, though, a center that he mentioned might have the chance to move up a few spots. Chaz Lucius is a guy that a lot of people have been talking about recently. Started in kind of the early 20s when this whole draft reports and mock drafts started coming out. Chaz Lucius is now close to a top 10 player, and Russ has him right outside. I wouldn't be surprised if Lucius winds up being a top 10 pick. You know, he's a solid player. Same thing for Aturati. He's a kid that a lot of people don't know about. And to me, there's one more kid that I wish we would have talked about, and that was... Corson Cullimans, uh, he's a defenseman that plays him for Brooks. He's playing major junior, so he's heading to the NC2A route. He's a defenseman, good kid, solid fundamentals, high hockey IQ. And like I said, oh, and we got to also mention Francisco Pinelli, a kid that Russ likes. I agree totally with him. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the Rangers grab a Pinelli because He's, he's got the skill set that they need. A lot of guys down at the bottom, too. Red Savage, Simon Robertson, Carson Lambos, Dylan Duke. A lot of guys that are really towards the bottom might even be second-rounders, and we know how versatile these drafts can be, Jess. Guys that we assume might go in the teens end up going in the second round. Guys we think that are second-round picks fly all the way up through the first. So I'd love to see where these guys end up going. And like you said before, when Russ gives his breakdown, they tend to be a little more true than they do to be wild picks. So I'd love to see how these turn out. I was surprised to see that he had Zach Dean at 16. I gotta admit, I didn't see much of the kid, but to see him up there, because a couple of people have been starting to talk about him, 
and Russ has got him right in the middle of the first round. That says something for the kid. That's going to do it for us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Prospect Park for Jess, at Luke Legrano for myself. If you liked this episode, be sure to rate us five stars on iTunes. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Believe in Hockey Prospects presented by Bet Online. My name is Luke Legrano. I'm Jess Rubenstein. Thank you very much for spending your time with us. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Take care. Thank you.